welcome to a new Paradigm of Education podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sayers, and today we have Dan Tricaro here with us. I hope I've said your name correctly, Dan. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Thanks <laughs> for having me, Monique. Yeah, you're welcome. So before I introduce you, I'd just like to introduce a podcast to everybody who's tuning in. So a new paradigm of education is something that's come through since the pandemic, but it's not about the pandemic. So we've noticed over the last two years, education has really changed. And this is the birthing of what I believe is a new paradigm of education. I'm really inspired to connect with parents, educators, teachers, and anybody else who's concerned about um creating the change makers of this world our beautiful children um, into the best that they can be this is what this podcast is all about it's about serving the highest good of our students so with that in mind I'd love to introduce you to today's guest his name is Dan Tricario and I hope I've said that correctly I've said it (laughs) twice now so (laughs) it it took me a while don't worry about it took me more than two times to get it (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he's been a high school teacher for nearly 30 years, an English high school teacher. And he's also the author of The Zen Teacher, Creating Focus, Simplicity and the Tranquility in the Classroom, as well as another book, uh, Sanctuaries, which is all uh, which is called Self-Care Secrets for the Stressed Out Teacher. They're both very important topics. So in his spare time, he enjoys writing, listening to music, reading mystery novels, watching movies, and staring out of windows. Okay, so one of his first loves is writing poetry, and he's published many poems, both in print and online. Wow, you've done a lot for this world. That's amazing. So um, I usually just start with just allowing you just to introduce yourself. Is there anything you wanted to add to my introduction or just to let people know about yourself? Um, well, I just have, I've always loved to write. And so having those books come out was a dream come true for me. So um, I never dreamed that, you know, this late in my career, I would have this path where in addition to helping my own students, I get to help teachers because that impact, I think is really powerful because you're not just helping them, what they get from you goes on to help their students. And there's just this amazing ripple effect that just humbles me. Um, and, and actually, um, that, that bio is a, is a little bit old, I'm realizing, because now it's over 30 years. So I need to update my bio. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And that just shows um, true passion and um, dedication for education. I, I feel like it's something like, I know myself as an educator as well. It's something that's inside of me that I feel so connected and so resonant with that I couldn't imagine not doing it even if it wasn't in a classroom per se if it was in my home or if I was in a different area I just feel it's like kind of like a gift I bring into the world and I feel like um, educators we all have this kind of unique qualities that we all are able to bring out to help our students as well do you feel that as well in yourself to be able to be in education for 30 years and to to keep on going rather than you know (laughs) like (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely have always felt that this was my calling and that I was meant to do it. And, um, you know, it's it's such, a, you know, it's, and we don't have to go down this road too far, but I was telling somebody the other day that I really feel being a spiritual person too, that this is my ministry, that this this is where I can model kindness and I can model empathy and compassion and all of the things that that hopefully make us decent people. And when you've taught for 30 years and you have, you know, you're encountering hundreds of students a day, 
um, not all of their lives are full of compassion and empathy and kindness. And, uh, and it's heartbreaking. I, I often say, if I thought too much about what my students uh, went through, I would quit because it would be overwhelming. It would be too much to take. So um, one thing I can bring is that sense of um, being there, being in the moment, being, you know, just, just being a, a um, stable influence for them. And, um, and, and that has nothing to do with my subject matter. <laughs> it has nothing to do with literature, commas, or, you know, it's, it's just about uh, being human. And I think that's, that's what you talked about gifts that we bring to the table and whether it's the old paradigm or the new paradigm or whatever. I mean, I think that, that the good teachers that I saw anyway, or the good teachers that I had, that's, that's what set them apart. That's what differentiated them is they, they had respect for us as people and they treated us with respect and with empathy and compassion. And so I try to do that. That's beautiful that you've modeled um, that and explained that to me. And like my eyes just lit up when you said the word spirituality and teaching in one sentence. It's like both, <laughs> yes. both are my favorite yes. topics. And I feel like, um, yeah, like being able to, I, my personal philosophy is being able to teach the whole child. So their body, their mind yes. and their spirit. So that education yes. has been so focused on the mind and actually we're there mm -hmm. to support them in all all aspects and so what you're talking about is emotional connection where you've been saying mm -hmm. that you're connecting in um with the child and that is just so necessary and then of course that's then going to allow them to feel more peaceful and more regulated and the whole class to become more regulated as well and results are also going to be coming through from that space because yes. I, I think it's crazy um you know that uh, you know in the old paradigm where a child is expected to learn no matter what they're doing, you know, if they need to go to the bathroom or if they, right, if they right. need to, you know, if they need to do something yes. else, they're distracted. It's not going to work to say sit still. Like you, we need to be fluid and allow that space and just treat them as mm -hmm. like little human beings. What do they need and what, what, what is going yes. to help them and support them? So thank you for sharing that. I really love that. Of course. You're, you're reminding me of the old saying Maslow before bloom. You know, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basic needs before before knowledge, because you're right. You you can't do that. Yeah. And I, I may have been known a time or two to wait to go to the bathroom until a staff meeting so I could kind of slip out when I when it got too boring. So there's <laughs> that. I know that sometimes students do that, but yeah, I mean they they totally are distracted and and unable to focus if they have needs that aren't met. Yeah, and Maslow was actually a big influence in our book, A New Paradigm of Education, when I was feeling into what is it that I feel is going to be created. And I used, I sat in meditation and just kind of sat there. And what actually came through my body was actually the chakra system. And then later I realized, wow, that's actually the same, um, the same layout and the same colors and the same context as what Maslow has done. It just depends if you're mm. focusing on the mm -hmm. East or the West. And then right. I thought, what if you flip the model? What if you focused like Maslow's model the other way around? Like you're first focusing on self-actualization and then bringing it down. Mm. And if you had, if you, if you were self-actualized, would, would everything already be in place? And would there be all of these constraints and conflicts and, you know, hardships that we've had to see as teachers in, in the world, in ourself and in our students as well. And um yeah, that was just something that, that came through. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing. And what you're making me think of is probably very few things in life are actual pyramids. <laughs> you know? Exactly, um, exactly. Because you said mind, body, spirit. And it's a circle. You, yeah. you can't, if, if you ignore those in education, you're missing two thirds of the equation. Totally. And I, I had a, a teacher friend who's the best teacher I've ever seen in my life. 
And he used to say, we're not social engineers. And I was like, dude, that's the one place I disagree with you. We are totally social engineers. We have an opportunity to affect all of those areas. And I knew, I, I, I'm not uh, saying this out of vanity and saying I was ahead of the curve, but intuitively I, I realized early on that relationships were the key. And that mm -hmm. if I had a good relationship with the students that I had you know, many fewer behavior problems, classroom management wasn't a problem um, because we all cared about each other and we were all respectful of each other. And it just happened. You know, I mean, there's always, there's always issues, but you're dealing with actual life human beings. You know, I said, it's the only job where, where we, we practice on actual humans or uh, one of the <laughs> only jobs. But, but yeah, I think um, I realized it was about relationships and, and you can't ignore part of being human in a relationship. It just doesn't work. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's, um, yeah, that's really powerful what you just shared around that aspect. I was just feeling into that as well. And I totally agree with the circular model. I, in the end, wrote in the book that it needs to be a circle because I was like, I don't mm. like pyramids either. I disagree. And right. I actually saw a circle like with everybody is the same. So we are, we are one with the students, with the parents, with um, the educators and that mm -hmm. if there is this circular model there is no hierarchy and there's no need for competition there's no need for mm -hmm. I don't know anxiety there's no need for a lot of those things because there's equality with with everybody so it was right. this, um, it came from a place of peace and love that I was creating it in and a hope that it would make changes um for people in the way that they receive the information it's going to be different a new paradigm for everybody so it's going to um it's going to shift people into making some kind of change, you know, whatever that is, whether it's like, am I right. going to change myself in the classroom? Am I going to change myself at home? Can I help my child? What do they need? And you know, what I really loved about your work was I noticed that you've already started that path with your book. So um, what, I, what I've been looking at your book is like, well, he's actually making changes within his environment, within his classroom through this Zen teaching model. So I'd love to go through that with you and you could just maybe help us to understand what that is and how we could use that. That would be so helpful. Thank you. Sure. I mean, well, that's, you know, probably 25 podcast episodes, but, <laughs> you know, um, I can give you a little overview and, and touch on some things. Um, you know, one of the things that you were talking about that, that, you know, uh, just kind of resonated with me is that you're, I, I love what you're doing because not only are you making changes in yourself, but with a new paradigm in education, you are attempting to change the infrastructure, which really, frankly, is what is broken. And, um, and, and I didn't have the energy to do that because when I wrote the Zen teacher book, um, you know, I was, uh, just heading toward massive burnout in my career. And I thought I have 10 years till I retire. How am I going to make it through? And I started because I just always loved to write. I, I was writing about different strategies that I was trying and uh, they helped. And, you know, so I, I was lucky, fortunate enough to turn it into a book, but I, I, you know, and, and then I knew being a fairly spiritual person that if I changed me, there would be a ripple effect and that would, you know, impact the students and impact the system. But, um, but I knew that at the time, um, you know, I, I had had some, you know, challenges going on in my life. And I, I knew that um, I did not have the bandwidth to try to change the infrastructure of education across the world, you know? So I really applaud those people like yourself who are attempting to do that and making inroads in, in that area. So, you know, I, uh, I was a, a drama major and an actor in college, and 
I remember the acting teachers talking about, you know, being in the moment and doing breathing exercises and relaxation exercises. And so that impacted what I was writing about and, and calmed me down. Um, I, I have always been fascinated with Eastern philosophy, which uh, we just talked about. Um, so that kind of is in there. And it's, it's, so it's kind of like this recipe of different things that, that I kind of put in the pot and I stirred it up and, and it really kind of, you know, oh, the other pieces, um, Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, there's some of that in there of specifically only, you know, really worrying about the things that are within our circle of influence. We can't change some things we just can't, you know, it's not, it's not within that, that circle. And then um, his seventh habit, which is sharpening the saw, it, it, you know, it, it's like, you have to work on you, you have to uh, give yourself time for balance and peace and stillness and um, improvement and personal development. Otherwise, you're just running on fumes, and you're going to burn yourself out. And, you know, so it was like, I put all that stuff in the stew and mixed it up. And, and then the, the great thing about that, it, uh, Monique, is now that I, you know, I've got probably three to four-ish years left, and I know I'm going to make it. And, and that's, that's a wonderful thing, because I wasn't so sure. And now, especially, there, you know, these, these uh, teachers are struggling so hard, and my heart goes out to them, because the, the education, the current, not the new paradigm, but the current education system is... Um, a mess. It's out of control. Teachers are, are, are suffering and hurting. And um, the pandemic uh, both helped and didn't help uh, in terms of us reflecting, you know, and realizing, hey, this isn't really working so well, you know, and I think a lot of people in a lot of professions are realizing that. So then the question becomes, what are we going to do about it? And what I love about us talking right now is I, I'm talking about how each individual can do things to change themselves. And you're saying, but we can change the system too. And that's a great combination. And yes, I love that. And what I wanted to reflect back to you is that you are already one of the people that is changing the face of education. You're already part of that collective of the new paradigm. Oh, by thank you. you. Yeah, <laughs> by you changing you, that is the the that is one of the key messages um, in our in our manuscript in our book. Um, I interviewed mm -hmm. like eight eight of the different authors with my mind completely blank, not expecting any answer from them, just expecting them to share their heart, what they truly believed, and it actually mm -hmm. all came back to. Um, mindfulness each each author said it in their own kind of flavor their own kind of way you know like gratitude <laughs> sure. or awakening or mindfulness whatever it was it all came back to that and it all came back to well if we are regulated and we are we are at peace then we are able to do so much more for our children and then the children are going to be mirroring that back to us and I really actually do feel like that is one of the major seeds for the change of the face of education like if every single educator could um you know go into school being happy actually being happy for what they have mm -hmm. and like truly happy you know and being able to take time in the classroom I know that might sound a bit cliche like take time how do you do that but mm -hmm. it can be done like you can weave it into you know into practical areas and even if the system is not like wanting you to do that I just think it's almost our duty of care as a teacher to do that because we are there to help them with their health and their learning and who are mm -hmm. we not to do that like who are we not to create a, a peaceful classroom that is my question you know and I'm so that's mm -hmm. why I'm really grateful about what I've been reading about 
um, you doing that because that is going to be a ripple effect for other educators, even parents. They could use this book. I was having a look at the tips in there that you, I mean, they're not tips, they're actual like beautifully laid out um, pieces of information, but Thank you, you know, t- you. <laughs> tips is just the easiest way. To there are tips it. too. There was five, <laughs> there was five ma- major kind of pillars of, of your, um, your work. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that mm-hmm. all of those in itself is a paradigm shift, you know, going away from oh, what yes. we've been talking about the mind. And That's going a good point. So if you wanted to go more into that, I'd love to hear it. If you wanted to just share what those five are, just so people could hear the words even, or. Gosh, I hope we're thinking about the same five. Yeah, Um, the S's. (laughs) Oh, the five S's. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Because there there are the five S's, but then there's also a, I created a five-step blueprint for the, for the overview of the whole thing. So let me talk about the five S's. I think that's going to be the most uh, immediately impactful for your listeners. Um, and, and if anybody has heard me on, uh, you know, write about it or, you know, in the, in sanctuaries or whatever, um, it's okay because I think these are great reminders. And, and again, I did them as reminders for me, but the five S's are stillness, silence, space, subtraction, and slowing down. And one thing that you just said, um, that I think is really important to, to relay to your listeners is if you practice, mindfulness in in the classroom if you practice the five s's in the in the classroom or in your life people are not going to understand what you're doing it's going to ruffle feathers it's going to look a little subversive at one point what i was doing in the classroom just started to look very different than what other teachers in my school and in my department were doing and i got some funny looks and i got some criticisms and i got some pushback and I had to say, you know what? I can't worry about that. That's not in my circle of influence. I know I need to do this for my own preservation, you know, mental health to, to get through. And I've, I've grown to accept that and be okay with that. So just quickly going through those five S's. First one is stillness. And we live in, in cultures that are so go, go, go all the time, hamster wheel, merry-go-round. It's a status symbol to be busy. Oh, you think you're busy? Look how busy I am, you know? And I, I jumped off that hamster wheel when the book came out and it's been a, a massive mindset shift. And it's been uh, one of the, one of the most amazing things that I think I've done. Um, and again, it looks different than other people and they don't understand why I'm doing it or what I'm doing. And in fact, my daughter, she, um, she's very witty. And she said, are you sure you're not just lazy and calling it philosophy? And I said, well, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there's a little overlap there sometimes, but um, stillness, just, just, you know, non-doing is what they call it in, in the Zen circles. And, you know, just taking, you know, you said taking time for you and, and, and making it an organic integral part of your lifestyle instead of just another thing that has, is on your plate. Right. Um, and then silence is, is big in, you know, in, in spirituality, whether, whether it's meditation or prayer or just stillness or, or going out to a lake or going up into the mountains or the beach, whatever, and just being silent. We live in an incredibly noisy world. And I realized, I always say silence is a gift we give ourselves. And I I realized that like, I love music, but I realized I was in the car a few years ago. And I realized that as much as I love music and I always have it blasting, if I turned the music off, on the way to work or the store or whatever, I'm in this cocoon of silence that was just rejuvenating and recharging. And I sometimes when I'm feeling stressed out, will learn to notice that first of all, super important step, and then turn the radio off or whatever, and just be silent and breathe. And it's magical. So still in the silent space, that's the whole decluttering thing, Marie Kondo, you know, does it give you joy, uh, getting rid of things that no longer serve you. 
And I, I try not to be a super woo-woo guy, but I do believe that if you purge all of the things that aren't serving you, you do open up space for the universe to give you the things that will serve you. So if you're suffocated with a bunch of junk or, or um, and it could be psychic junk, it could be junk in your mind. Mm. I mean, you don't, you don't even want to see my Google Drive because I, it's a, you know, it's, it's an abyss. It's just, you know, I didn't know what it was when it came out. And so all kinds of things got put in there and I didn't even know it was happening. Yes. And I, at one point I put on my board to my students, stop sharing things with me because I didn't know what was happening, <laughs> you know, and because I had to figure it out. So, you know, all of this stuff that just comes at us all the time, if we can become good curators of what's serving us and what's not, then the stress is going to go down. So still in the silent space and slowing down. Again, it's just such a, high-paced culture that we live in that sometimes I think it's important um, to, to like, like sometimes like we don't, I get really like frenzied and anxious if I get behind a big semi-truck on the freeway, mm -hmm. but sometimes I've learned to kind of go, no, just be here and breathe through it mm -hmm. and let, let that trucker go slow and you go slow. And, you know, people are behind you going, you know, and they're going around you. I'm like, no, I'm just going to be here and just chill with it, you know? And it's just a way of practicing the slowing down. And I also do another thing that I call margins, where if I have one task to do like laundry or make dinner or something like that, I try to create a time buffer. You can't always do this, but try to create a time buffer on both sides so that the task takes as long as it takes. Yeah. Because I got really tired of okay, I got to get dinner and I got to do my laundry five o'clock. I have to be at the, this appointment and do that thing. And, you know, and if you can just take one task and, and let it take the time it takes and breathe, it's, it's much more calming. So stillness, silence, space, subtraction, and slowing down the five S's. That's amazing. They're all very, very useful and practical and necessary. None of that is woo-woo. It's all actually necessary. Like people who yes. are not doing that, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I, don't know how because they make it. Yeah. I really don't totally. know either. Like, yeah. and it just makes sense to me. Like, and it's all about the new, like for me personally, that links to a new paradigm because actually a new paradigm is a letting go of everything that's not working so just a letting go mm -hmm. of everything to therefore rise up into that space of creation of the things that are allowing so by yes. doing all of that there's that space for that natural rise and I also see that um, within education in terms of the curriculum in terms of the time the timing of things like you know society we've built on this five-day schedule okay children go to school for mm -hmm. five days they then go to work for five days and you know, what if all of that was flipped to a different paradigm where we could actually choose our time? And and um, what I really love about the pandemic was that that happened. Like so many yes. people started to become entrepreneurs and they just were living their passion and living, like finding what their gifts are that weren't just going to the same place every day. And then right. that would then be flat, reflecting down onto the children. And I feel that that is the, the shift that's coming. People are saying no to so many things. And yes. I feel like that that they type are. of education is going to be popping up for our children and that will become normalized in a way where it's not this five meal five day treadmill where everything is on such a schedule um mm -hmm. and it really does create spaciousness in the heart and space to breathe like just to simply be able to breathe and not have to wow worry about being somewhere you know <laughs> right. I'm, I'm terrible right. at showing up on time I have my own time frame <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
and I was lucky in schools because as a primary school teacher, I have one class the whole day. So I could kind of mm -hmm. um, play with my time, you know, like if we didn't mm -hmm. do one thing at the before, we could do it a bit later. I know it's different mm -hmm. when you have separate classes because it's like then there's right. kind of this catch up idea. But for me, yep. I would just literally just be, OK, what are we going to do? And just kind of weave my day into how I wanted it to, to flow with the children based off what they right. needed. And right. um yeah, maybe I was a rebel. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, first of all, you're my hero because when I, I did sub in primary grades when I started out and, uh, and I realized that was not my demographic, you know, <laughs> but um, because, you know, I, I like change and, and, you know, I always say in my job as a high school teacher, no matter how good or bad it is, it's over in an hour and it's over in nine months, you know, mm -hmm. um, everything's temporary. That's another Zen concept. But I think that the beauty part of what you do is what you said is that you, you, there's, there's a, um, a, a rhythm that you can adjust and you can surf the room based on what's happening at the time. Now, what I've learned, and I, it's, it's just that, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours thing is I've been doing this so long, I've learned kind of how to do that within the 55 minute period over a week. Mm. When I started, we used to have to submit our weekly lesson plans. And now they're talking about like the whole year. And I'm like, okay, you know, that mm. is not the new paradigm. that no, no. Right, <laughs> But I called them my weekly fictions. Even, even as a young teacher, when I was trying to be respectful in my head, I was like, this is a fiction because after Monday, after that first day, they were wrong because I saw what the students needed and I adapted, adjusted. And then what was on the paper for Tuesday was like out the window. Totally. So, yeah. So you, 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 you're right. You know, if you're tuned in to what's happening, I like to think that makes me a better teacher, but, and, and in teachers that I admire, that's what they do. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I think that, you know, saying if it's Tuesday, we're on page 85, that's to, to me, that's not teaching. It's, me, it's meaningless. One, one man's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. mean, it's totally meaningless. It's yeah. irrelevant and it's not innate. Like, I mean, yeah, it just makes no sense to me. No. I, I, I never yeah. did lesson plans. Nope. I would just write my lesson plans after. Like I just quickly just write what I did and just like, oh yeah, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was, it mm -hmm. just didn't feel right. No, that's me. a, that's a great way to do it. That's a, a <laughs> document. But it, to document it and then have it say the next year and go, oh, that worked, that didn't work, so I'm not going to do that this year. Oh, this group, that is not going to work for them, but they're really going to love it. You know, I mean, you can go back and look at that document and, and surf that and, and use that as... And I think you froze up a little, little bit. Oh, there she is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I froze up for that little that that, that little second. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm here in Uruguay in a little beach house, so it's. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes the internet is not so great. <laughs> to this non-traveler, that's so uh, exciting. And yeah, yeah. I've been a traveler my whole life, actually. So, and I married oh, wow. somebody from Uruguay, and our baby speaks um, two languages. And so, That's yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm here living as um, I've lived in. I've taught in many countries. I've taught in China. I've taught in Bali and Uruguay and Australia. So for wow. me, it's it's yeah, it lights me up to be in different places and to help different people and and things like that. 
Um, what a gift what, to your students to have that background. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like um, I wanted to ask you something too. Like, so since writing your books and kind of making this kind of breakthrough within yourself, did you notice your students reflecting that back to you? Like, did you notice a change in them in some way? Like, but did they? Yeah. I think so. I, I think um, I think it like you said, it is uh, contagious a little bit. The the calmness and uh, I mean, I was I always kind of I considered myself a pretty chill person. I mean, my daughters don't think so. They're like, you're always so wound up and anxious, you know. But that's because they I probably care about them more than anything else in the entire world. So every you know I want everything to go perfectly. But you know, I think I do feel feel that one one example of that is. Um, I start every, with, with my ninth graders, I start every period with 10 minutes of silent reading because I think nobody reads anymore mm. and they don't, they're not going to take the time to do it on their own. Adults don't even read, teachers don't even read, mm. right? But I think it's su such an important skill. I give them 10 minutes in the beginning of the class to read anything they want because I think choice is really important too. Mm -hmm. And when I surveyed them on how it was going for them, I got my, my vocabulary is getting better. I'm, I've noticed I'm reading faster and then wonderful things. Like I, I really loved my books. I wanted to keep reading. So I read it at home. I mean, like, holy cow, that's amazing. But what they said that you think that somebody who wrote a book called the Zen teacher would have expected, and I didn't expect it, is they said things like, I really like the quiet. I really like the 10 minutes of stillness. Wow. I really like the fact that I can get my mind focused before we start the rest of class. And I thought, oh my goodness, what an amazing byproduct and bonus and extra benefit that I did not even see coming and I should have and I didn't. But that that's one thing that I th I th just thought was amazing. Yeah, that's really beautiful um, that they're able to have that experience in their life. Maybe it's only the 10 minutes of the day that they have that quiet. You don't know every, I can every almost family's guarantee difference. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed my teaching changed as well. Um, like when I actually moved over to Bali because I was um, in India and I, I went to um, a special meditation center there where I was gifted um, awakening so through this meditation practice oh. and so my whole energy um, my whole energy body changed and I was just really in this place of calm within my body and so I noticed as soon as I went into the classroom the children were just calm and they were smiling and I was like oh my gosh this is amazing because um, before that in my classroom I would have a lot of you know children jumping around and things <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and I'd be standing there like okay what do I do with all these <laughs> are jumping totally. around and you know and I noticed because I was calmer that they were they were calmer and then when I came back to Australia and I went to some of those kind of um schools where they had you know different children from all different socioeconomic backgrounds um mm -hmm. I noticed that it had actually had worked with them as well like I'd walk in and they're like hey miss you're so happy why are you so happy what's going on and then we'd have like the nice. best day so <laughs> yeah yeah I was um I think I really feel it's really powerful for everybody to be learning even if it's like just a five minute thing a day you do before you sleep or, or right or doing the tips that you've been saying breaking them down and just even just doing one of those five tips a day mm -hmm. until it becomes an embodiment of um you know you just become the practice and it yes. just doesn't even you don't even need to do anything because you are it you know so right right and you're right there I threw five of them at them all at once but what I do, which is which is helpful too, is say, okay, you know, if you're practicing, yes, you can practice one at a time. But also, when you feel stressed out, you can look and go, okay, 
which one is it? <laughs> you know, totally. do I need silence? Do I need to declutter a little bit? Do I just need to slow down and take my time? And then you start to get a sense. And, and when you practice, you start to get um, more in tune with, well, which one do I need right now? And the other thing that you said that was amazing is I always use as kind of a silly example, kind of as a, as a little bit of humor is I always say, you don't need to go, you know, up to the top of a mountain and meditate in India but you did that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And I always say, and then, but then you also mentioned it only takes five minutes because that's where I go with that is it's like, you don't need to do that, but you can only, you know, all you need is five minutes and it's three deep breaths at a red light when you're, when you're driving, or it's five minutes of silence before you go to bed. Right. But you can also, thank you for proving that you can also go to a, a <laughs> meditation center in India that can also be one of the choices. Yeah, totally. For me, it was, both. it was both. Like I started off yeah. doing what you're doing with the traffic lights and, mm -hmm. um, and like just taking pauses within myself and noticing my anxiety, like, cause I used to have anxiety in my body as well. I don't have it anymore, but like, I used to have myself this nice. rush inside of myself. And so mm -hmm. I noticed, I would just start to notice it and do some of the things that you're saying, like pull in all of these different, um, areas and then I just started to actually decide to practice meditation and mm -hmm. I started to go regularly and I just noticed massive changes within um, myself my you know I was feeling happy I was able to have great concentration a whole lot of things was happening in my life and my life was just turning around for the better for the better for the better and so that inspired Fantastic. me to, to keep going and then that's why I probably now I, I know I am living proof that I know that it's working and I also know that it's working for our children like we have thousands of books written about this it's not something that I'm making mm -hmm. up. Like it's written in science, right. it's written in pedagogy, right. it's written there. And it's even written in the curriculum as mental health. But what mm -hmm. we're talking about is actually um, using it for ourselves rather than it being a curriculum checkpoint, actually right. helping, helping ourselves to help, <laughs> help our children, right? <laughs> That's and how I, I see it. it. Here's a little critique of the current paradigm. I loved how you, you made a, a distinction between uh, what we really need to do and a curriculum checkpoint <laughs> because exactly. they're different. Exactly. Totally yeah. different. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm um, I'm so honored to have met you and to have had you on our podcast on, you? today to be able to um, help everybody to know more about um, Zen practices they can use within the classroom and to hear your stories and how it's changed you as a teacher. Oh, and, yes. and I feel like it's really inspiring for teachers out there that may be just still going into the regular classrooms that haven't broken free into their own schools and their own um, their own way. They just want to continue on the path of what is there. But at least they know they can make changes like everybody. You can make a change at any moment, like for yourself, not even just for your students, but for yourself right. and watch the ripple effect. Right. 100 <laughs> percent. Very true. Yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. To oh, it's new... my pleasure. Yeah, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to a new paradigm of education. And I always like to finish off um, with Mahatma Gandhi's line of be the change that you wish to see in this world. Mm -hmm.